everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. As a reminder, every Saturday, I like to air interviews with interesting people that I think can add some insight and information to your life. And every Wednesday, you get to hear a life coaching episode. So those of you that are new to the show, welcome. And those of you who've been around for a while, thank you so much for continuing to be avid listeners and sharers of the show. When you share about the show, be sure to tag me so I can thank you. I have a really cool guest on today. Her name is Courtney Carver, and she's going to talk about being more with less. And we actually recorded this interview about oh, a week after quarantine started, but yet what we talked about is still so relevant. And I think this year, especially with, with COVID, with the racial injustices that have been highlighted with how we're now being more and more aware of other big problems in our world, specifically human trafficking, especially child sex trafficking. It's kind of overwhelming when you think about everything that is going on in the world and everything that we're being called forward to not only look at and be aware of, not only just go down Instagram rabbit holes, but really shift and change and really take action. And in order for us to do that, our life needs to be less cluttered. That's why I'm so passionate about the inner child workshop that we have coming up. We're also going to be announcing a virtual vision quest that we're leading because we want to support you in getting your inner clutter cleared. And my conversation with Courtney will also help you get your outer clutter cleared because the clearer we are, the more able we are to take the action that we need to really make the changes and do the healing and stop a lot of just the, for lack of a better word, evil things that are happening in the world. So I hope that you get a lot of value out of this conversation. I know I did. I got some great ideas from Courtney. Let me tell you a little bit more about her. She launched her blog, Be More With Less in 2010, and is one of the top bloggers in the world on the subject of minimalism and is the author of the best-selling book, Soulful Simplicity. She's been featured all over the place and she created Be More With Less and the Minimalist Fashion Challenge, Project 333, after spending much of her adult life tired, stressed, sick, and doing work she didn't care about to make ends meet. After years of decluttering and letting go, she realized that happiness isn't waiting for us, it's within us. So enjoy this conversation with Courtney. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, the timing of this, I think, is perfect because right now the current condition is we're all in our houses way more than we usually are. And we have an opportunity to assess how much is really there, what we really need and make some big changes in our life, not just with our stuff, but just in general. So you are an expert at living minimally, living with not more than we need. Can you define what it means to be a minimalist? Sure. I don't know if I would even completely label myself that way or any way. I don't like labels anyway. I know. It's so weird. <laughs> like, Because some days I, I fit that and some days, quite honestly, I don't. Mm. Um, but for the most part, I really try to focus on what matters to me and having things that add value to my life and that serve me instead of owning me back. Uh, you know, So often we don't even realize that our stuff 
is owning us. We're taking care of it. We're insuring it. We're worrying about it. And we need stuff. Different people need different stuff, but we probably don't need as much as we have. And as you mentioned, this is a really interesting time because I think we're all getting some great clarity about what really matters to us because we've let a lot of things go just in our day-to-day lives. And we're all pretty grateful to be just with our families or connecting with friends and kind of adjusting to this new normal for a little bit. Yeah, it's true. So can you say more about our things owning us? Because I think that's a really important topic for us all to ponder. I don't think that's something that we think about because at least for me, it's like, oh no, of course I have a car and a house and things like that's just what you do. So can you, can you expand on that a little bit more? Well, from my own experience, I collected stuff and never let it go for a really long time. And as I bought new things, I wasn't really thinking of the stuff as a long-term solution to anything, but it was just that immediate, oh, I feel better now because I bought this thing that made me feel more successful or happier or safe or any of a variety of different things. It eliminated some boredom for me to, to order something online, You know, really relieved some immediate pain. And then I'd be left with this thing that never served that purpose. And now I had, at the time, credit card debt. And it just built up and built up. And I still didn't even notice. I just kept doing that really for decades. And then if the stuff felt like too much in the house, I'd store it in the garage or an attic or some other place. And then I would forget about it. But when I finally decided to do a deep dive and really get rid of most of our things, just going back to all that stuff made me realize how not only unproductive it was to be holding on, but how it actually made me feel bad because it was this constant reminder of the money I owed to credit card companies, you know, my debt, my discontent. Um, And so in that way, my stuff owned me. It was stuff that I didn't really need. And I was still paying for it long after I had paid for it. Mm, mm, On not just the financial level, the emotional, mental level as well. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story. How did you become one of the leading experts on living and doing more with less? Well, I'd love to say I was just really smart and insightful (laughs) (laughs) and it just dawned on me, but Uh that didn't happen. It was actually a response to a pretty significant wake-up call that I had back in 2006 when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Mm. And this came on the heels of months of really stressful work deadlines and just running crazy and being overextended. It felt like in every area of my life. And at first I thought it was an ear infection and just kept going, going, going like we all do. And when I was finally given the diagnosis of MS while working for someone who has MS, who was in a wheelchair, I Mm. had to stop and say, what's going on here? Like, what, how am I going to respond to this? And how are things going to have to change so that I might have a chance to live well with this disease? And that didn't happen in the first days or weeks. I was definitely upset and feeling scared and overwhelmed and not really sure what to do. But pretty quickly, 
I started asking the questions and looking for answers and everything that I turned to pointed to stress as being a real issue for MS, autoimmune conditions. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, just like all human suffering, I mean, it just magnifies anything that we're experiencing. Yep. So I didn't set out to simplify my life, but I did set out to eliminate as much stress as possible. And as it turns out, the common thread between everything, all the stress I I pulled out of my life was simplicity. Mm. Mm. And what does simplicity look like for you? Well, it's looked like a lot of different things. It's been a slow road for sure. Um, I used to be the kind of person that changed things overnight and expected immediate results and was often disappointed when that didn't pan out. But this for me has been a decade plus long adventure of carefully assessing different areas of stress in my life and reducing or eliminating them. So at first it was, you know, changing the types of foods that I ate, thinking about what might be stressing my body and causing inflammation inside my body, which could then, you know, make MS exacerbations feel worse or symptoms Mm. feel worse. And then it was looking at debt, which was definitely at the top of the list for stress. I went into debt when I was 18 and never came up for air until my late thirties. So paying off tens of thousands of dollars of consumer debt, that was definitely a big part of my simplicity journey. And while that was happening, I pulled back from shopping to really focus on the debt And that's when I started to notice all the things in my home that were just taking up space, things I didn't really even care about and started reducing that. And after we got rid of probably, I don't know, 90% of our belongings, we downsized from a big house to an apartment less than half the size. And after that, I left a sales and marketing career for writing and speaking about simplicity, which is like on the complete opposite side of the spectrum in many cases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it just kept unfolding. And even now, I mean, it's been, if I do the math right, I think it's been about 14 years since my diagnosis. I'm still simplifying my life. And I thought so many times like, okay, I've arrived. Life is, uh, is much simpler now. I've eliminated a lot of stress, but this last, like within the last year in early 2019, I stopped drinking alcohol, which never crossed my mind before. I mean, mm-hmm. why would I want to do that? <laughs> but as it turned out, it was something that was really not relieving stress for me, um, but adding stress to my life. And so by removing it, I was able to find even more simplicity, which really helps with resilience in stressful times because of course I can't eliminate every stressful thing in life since most of it I'm learning, especially now is out of my control. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's so true. I think that's one of the many lessons we're all learning from what do we want to call it? Pandemic, coronavirus, this crisis, this opportunity. I, I still don't know what it is quite yet. None of us do. And that's the lesson is we're learning one, how we show up in uncertainty. I think a lot of us are getting an honest look at ourselves and where we still 
grip onto control and we're getting the wake up call that control is just an illusion. And two, just again, like what really, what really matters. And that was something that was big for me because we, we moved into our house early March, but moved out of our house in California, November 30th. And so we were traveling and living out of suitcases for, you know, four months or so, three, four months. And when I came back and unpacked my stuff, I thought, man, I hardly missed any of this stuff. I mean, there were a few things that like my good hair dryer, but I was like, oh yes, I'm so happy to have you back. But other than that, it, I just am craving that simplicity. And I think that a lot of people don't realize how much they complicate and crowd their life with stuff. Just if you have a stressful day, for example, and you come home and your house is full of stuff, to me, that just adds more stress. And I just want to be clear, you're not talking about decluttering, right? There's the difference between decluttering and simplifying. And I'd love for you to distinguish that difference. Yes. I used to be a master declutterer every, usually January and then sometime in the spring for spring cleaning, because I would get really excited by magazine articles and feel like this is the time to let go of things and make some space. And then almost immediately I would fill that space back up. Mm -hmm. because it didn't feel right. Like empty space. What am I doing? That feels uncomfortable. And I wouldn't give myself a chance to experience that discomfort. Instead, I would just fill the space up. So whether that was in my closet or in my kitchen or wherever, I just was replacing things. And when I decided this time to simplify my life and let go of stuff, I had such a strong reason to do it that Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to fill up the spaces again it still was uncomfortable. I still had a lot of questions, but giving myself that time to just sit with it provided answers. And I realized that it wasn't more stuff that I wanted in my life uh, or that I needed in my life to feel better about anything. Um, Everything that I needed, it wasn't around me. It was within me. And Mm -hmm. I needed to tap into that. And I still have to remind myself of that from time to time to really tap in, especially when things feel out of control or hectic or uncertain. Yeah. So what is, just give us a picture. What does your home look like? What stuff do you have? I think that you would probably walk into my home and, and maybe think I have all the things that I need. It might feel a little more, I don't even know if if spacious is the right word because it's a, a smaller apartment, but I have a couch and end tables. I don't have a coffee table, although sometimes I wonder if I need one, but I feel like (laughs) as long as I'm wondering, I probably don't. Uh, Some books, but not many books, which was a big switch for me because Mm -hmm. I used to save every single book I read and now I read them and pass them on, which feels really good because there's always more books to read. Thank goodness. Uh, And then, I mean, I cook a lot at home, so I've got pots and pans and some dishes and glasses and cups, Mm -hmm. but I don't have like 12 coffee cups like I used to. Yeah. Or I probably had more than that. I mean, we, we lived in a 2000 square foot home with a living room, a family room, uh, three or four, three bedrooms, an office, a kitchen, a dining room and a patio. At one time we had 20 dining chairs and there were three of us. (laughs) Why did I do that? And it was always this thing, like, I'm supposed to have this, like, I'm supposed to have the right things. 
Mm. And now like I have blinds on my windows, but I don't have any window treatments or curtains or anything like that. And I feel okay about that. Uh, It's just one less thing to manage. And I was mentioning to you before we started chatting that we had an earthquake here in Salt Lake City the other morning. And when we were, once we were out and settled down, it really dawned on me that I never thought about anything in the house at all that Mm. I might miss or might be damaged. And the first thing my daughter said to me was, oh, at least you don't have a lot of stuff around that would have been damaged. Mm. And that didn't cross my mind either until much later. But yeah, I don't, I just don't want to have to manage my stuff. I'm not a very organized person. So I feel like there's so much hype around being organized. And if organization worked, we'd all be super organized by now. And we're just not all built like that. And so for me, owning less and dealing with less really works. Yeah. And it gives me freedom to be more creative or travel more or, you know, really pay attention to conversations versus what do I need next Mm. to be happy. Mm. Well, I want to get into some tips for people that want to start to simplify their life. I have one curiosity question that sprung up when you said no window treatments. So part of why I love some of my stuff, again, we're living in more of an empty house right now, but I'm waiting on pillows and window treatments and things like this is because I really love beauty. I love my space to feel beautiful and homey and some of that comes from having stuff. So where do you find the the beauty in the simplicity? How does that show up for you? Well, I think everyone will notice that differently, but first and foremost, the best part of my living situation is what's outside of it. So ah. I get to see an amazing sunset almost Anytime I look out the window in the evening, I've got mountains surrounding me in every direction. You've got the natural beauty, <laughs> no window <laughs> treatments or decorative pillows needed. <laughs> I definitely look outside for beauty. Mm-hmm. I find beauty in words and art and mm-hmm. connection. That doesn't mean I don't want to not appreciate my things. Like I think my dishes are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that my couch is really nice. Like I, I do appreciate the beauty of the things that I have, but almost always they also add another piece of value aside from just that. That said, uh, well, I have succulents and an orchid in my house. I'm just looking around right now to say what's really striking me as beautiful right now. And those plants would probably be the most beautiful thing right now that I see. Mm. But also having a little time in the afternoon to sit still is pretty freaking beautiful compared yeah. to my life before where I had all the beautiful things, but I never had any time to enjoy them. Mm. Mm. So let's talk about, well, you have two books, Project 333 and Soulful Simplicity. Why did you call Project 333333? Three, 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 three? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's called 333 because oh, got it. it's a, a wardrobe challenge that's three months long, including 33 items. And I just thought that was such a fun but It is. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And so can you take us through, people can definitely go get the book, but can you take us through the challenge? Sure. So what you do is you choose three months and really they can be any three months, but we typically go in, or at least I do. And most people who try the challenge go January through March 
April through June, July through September, October through December, one of those combinations. And you choose 33 items, including clothes, jewelry, accessories, and shoes, and hide everything else. So you don't get rid of all your other stuff, but it's a fashion challenge, a minimalist fashion challenge, so that you can decide what you really want and need in your wardrobe and then in your life because it rubs off. Like it starts in your closet and then you start thinking about everything else. So it's really nice that it's a, it's a way to sample simplicity without getting rid of everything and having that stress of, oh my gosh, what if I want to bring everything back? But similar to your story about you know coming back to your things and not really missing much, that's what my experience has been. As even the first three months that I did it 10 years ago, I put everything in boxes and hid it and didn't look at it for three months. And when I finally went back to it, it didn't have that emotional hold on me that it had yeah. when it was in my closet and I was looking at it every single day. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, I just did that for the past three months. <laughs> so that's, that's right. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. And we did it. I did massive clearing out before I moved. And now that I've moved back in, I'm doing another big Salvation Army donation Tuesday because I just am going through. I've been like, didn't think about that. Didn't miss that. That reminds me from a time in my life where things weren't going that great. That just really doesn't fit anymore. That just doesn't bring me joy. It's just so great to free ourselves of the the things. And I think that we don't... I'd be curious on your thoughts on this. Because we we live in what we think is a three-dimensional world, but it's far more than that. And our possessions take up energetic space. And I can imagine that it feels very heavy to have so many things around you. Even my husband, he's obsessed with books and he has so many books and he's always buying books. And in our new house, I had to say, all right, you have to have your separate office and keep all your books in there because they drive me crazy. Like there's just too many of them. It creates... I don't want to say stress, that's kind of an overstatement, but I can feel the heaviness of it, of like, why do we need all that stuff? And I'm curious if you feel that way too, and you've seen with maybe people that you've worked with or people that have commented on your books or your blogs, have they felt that energetic lightness as well when they've gotten rid of the physical things? A hundred percent. I mean, I definitely felt it, but I was so almost surprised, I think, because I knew people would notice things from the fashion challenge and decluttering, like having more space in their home, perhaps saving a little bit of money. Um, But people were messaging me and saying like, I suffer from crippling anxiety and this is relieving anxiety Mm -hmm. for me or depression or really having an impact on my mental health. And for me, that means more than anything else. I mean, like the, the other stuff just almost seems trivial compared to that. Like people are actually feeling better because they are living with fewer items and typically they're items that they were never enjoying or using to begin with. So many people have told me like, these were the clothes I was always wearing, but I was picking them out over and over again from this wide selection of clothes because I had, was, you know, making doing retail therapy or buying things that I didn't need or never wore. There were tags still on these other items, but yet they were still looking at them every single day and feeling kind of bad because of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
What advice do you have for people, Courtney, who do have a little bit of that retail therapy addiction or spender addiction or even hoarding? I think just being able to give yourself a temporary break, you know, don't frame it as I'm going to stop this forever, but just frame it as a challenge or experiment and say, wouldn't it be crazy if for just three months, I didn't shop at all. Um, And I only had these 33 items hanging in my closet, or I only used these dishes and these cups in the kitchen, something, you know, uh, something that you can create for yourself that puts some boundaries around your things Mm -hmm. that gives you some temporary space so that you can take those 90 days or however long you think is appropriate and be curious about what's really going on for you in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that just gives us a lot of freedom because we just learn so much about ourselves, but also all the things we were afraid of happening don't happen. And then we can make decisions based on fact instead of our fears. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, I, I really recommend too the the beauty of traveling for an extended period of time, if you can, well, right, not right now, but when we can again, because there's just something you really, at least in my experience, you really realize how little you need when you're, you're moving around. And that's been a big, big teacher for me. Um, I'm curious just to shift gears into what's going on in the world, what your insight is on the, the bit of hoarding that people are doing in, in panic. You know, people are going and buying an excessive amount of things like toilet paper and food <sighs> and those kinds of things. And definitely not thinking minimalist, but really coming from a place of scarcity, but then buying in an excessive amount, which is interesting. I'm just curious what your take on, on that behavior is. Yeah. Well, I certainly don't judge anyone for doing that. I don't think it's something that people are doing as a malicious act. I think Mm -hmm. people are scared and they're trying to make themselves feel better and feel more in control. But as you mentioned, it really is an illusion of control. I think that the the supply chain is okay. Like things are going to be back in stores we're going to be able to get what we need. I mean, I think we can look at other countries that are going through this as examples. They're, I mean, especially Italy, my parents live in Italy and they're Mm. confined to their homes now, but they're allowed to leave and go to the grocery store. And when they go, they get what they need and that's it. And I'm really looking to them as an example, because what happens is when we start doing the the panic buying is we start thinking more panicked thoughts and then we panic everybody else around us. And also like being with groups of people right now is not the best thing. So is the toilet paper even worth it? I would suggest not. The second part of this is that now that, I mean, hopefully the majority of that panic buying is, I don't know, I don't know if it's still happening right now or not, but we have to think about like the people around us and when it's time to share, we need to share. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's coming out of that self because when we're scared, we often get into a self-protective mode and we're looking for anything that gives us that sense of certainty. And I hope again, during this time, people can really look at how little they really need and so for the closet challenge is a great idea. I love that or the wardrobe or fashion, however we want to say it. Let's move beyond the closet. 
into the rest of the house? What are some things that people can do to minimalize the stuff that owns them? Well, take a walk around when you get home and, or maybe you're already home for an extended period of time and think about what you want want to enjoy on a daily basis. And if there are things that you're not enjoying, you might not even be noticing that you're just cleaning, maybe put it in a box and set it aside for a bit. Uh, I know I've gotten a few emails lately, people really concerned about letting go during this time of uncertainty. And I think the temporary, like less stressful move is to just hide your stuff if you've got the room to do that. Mm -hmm. So box it up and put it aside. I've never done that and remembered what I boxed up and put aside. (laughs) It's just gone. And my husband and I kind of joke around because there was this time a long time ago when we were downsizing that I had three vases in our bedroom on a bureau and they each had a flower, fake flower, but they represented the flowers from our wedding. And it seemed very nice and sentimental and wonderful. But I noticed that I was just knocking them over when I dusted and they weren't really adding the kind of value I was looking for. And so I boxed them up and put them in the garage and forgot about them. And maybe Mm. two months later, I got them, I brought them back in the house and I set them up on the bureau that was directly in front of our bed. Like it's the first thing you see when you wake up in the morning. And I told my husband, I said, I I think I'm going to donate these. And he said, no, I love those. (laughs) And I just looked at them and I tried not to laugh. And I said, they've been gone for months. I had them in the garage. And he just said, oh my gosh, just it's time to let go. Mm. And Luckily, he had a great sense of humor about it because now whenever I travel and come home, he says he welcomes me home, gives me a hug and a kiss. And he says, I just want to let you know that I've hidden something. And if you can figure out what it is, we can keep it. (laughs) (laughs) And I never know, like I can never figure it out because that's how meaningless most of our stuff is. I love that. I'm totally going to try that with my husband. (laughs) Because he's more of the stuff person, the gadget and the crystals and the this and the that. And I'm more of the get rid of it. That's great. Oh, I love it. And then your your other book, Soulful Simplicity. Tell us about that one. Sure. Well, interestingly enough, that's where the Project 333 book came from because there's a chapter in it called Simple is the New Black. And like most situations, Project 333 just takes over the conversation. And my publishers asked me to write the second book based on that chapter. And Soulful Simplicity is more of my story. So being diagnosed with MS and figuring out how to live well with MS by reducing stress and simplifying my life. Mm -hmm. How's your health now, Courtney? It's really good. I mean, it's been 14 years. I haven't had a relapse since 2007. Now I work with a a great team of neurologists and do take conventional MS treatment, but in lots of conversations I've had with my doctor, um, he's pretty convinced that the lifestyle changes I've made have had a really big impact. I really acknowledge you for letting that be a wake up call and not a defeat or an excuse 
I really, really acknowledge you for turning this into your passion and for helping so many other people so that hopefully they don't need a diagnosis to wake up and realize that things they're doing are stressing them out. I love what you said earlier. Life will present stress that we can't control. So why not minimize the stress that we can control in our life? And you did that. And you're an amazing, inspiring example of how doing that not only impacts our external circumstances, but changes our mental and emotional and physical health. So thank you so much for- I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I really am inspired by how you've become such a, a, an advocate for people to, because to me, your message is not so much about getting rid of your physical things. It is, but the deeper message is- really take inventory of the choices you're making that just weigh heavy on you and that burden you and that you just don't need. Like, what can you let go of? Because when we physically let go of things, I feel it makes it easier to emotionally and mentally let go of things. You know, if you physically let go of more of your belongings, maybe you'll let go of resentment or anger you have at someone. Maybe you'll finally be able to forgive because you've created that energetic space. So thank you. My pleasure. Where can people go to get your books, learn more about you, stalk you on social media, so on and so forth? Well, the books are both available at most places. I mean, you can buy them online. I highly recommend that you reach out to your local bookstore, see if they have it. I know a lot of bookstores are offering shipping and curbside pickup and lots of great options, especially right now. So Mm. consider those smaller bookstores and then they can find me on my website, bemorewithless.com and on Instagram at bemorewithless. Awesome. I'm going to go follow you now. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you. 